0: This ain't on AC, we are back, baby. The 5-Boy Play Podcast. The diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. Now officially sponsored by the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forum. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest intel about the team, Duke recruiting, and more. AC, we finally have our roster set. Mm -hmm. Patrick Baldwin finally made a decision. Thank God he's going to go play for his dad. And we got the third member of our trio, We might as well just make it official. Yeah, can we just make it official now? Yep, might as well. (laughs) Uh, Jack from uh, duke.mbb, 50,000 Duke fans and Duke haters alike. Follow him religiously on Instagram. We're happy to have him in uh, again, and hopefully uh, for for the rest of the go-around on 5-Point Play. AC, I'll start with you. Uh, Patrick Baldwin finally made a decision. He's going to go play for Daddy. Um, I know that you... Uh, originally had been kind of steadfast that he was going to pick Duke, but it was something that you, I knew your confidence level was at the highest because it, it, you know, no one really knew with this recruitment, nothing really leaked out. Um, he got a couple of things that maybe his dad wasn't going to be back this coming year. They just got another small forward. Um, you know, Duke wasn't making any moves ever anywhere else. Uh, you know, where, where did you see this? did you did you feel real confident coming into today or was it just kind of like who the hell knows
1: yeah no it was it was all context clues. so it was it was definitely a who the hell knows situation like you know i mean they the family did a great job keeping everything close close to wraps like there was nothing that leaked out to anyone even right before the announcement when a lot of that stuff happens like you know i mean it was, it's it really truly was a a concerted effort by them to, to keep everything under wraps and they they did it man, they did a good job with it, and you know they they got their announcement and he's happy he's playing for his dad that's a very unique situation. It's one that I can't recall, since I've followed college basketball closely, especially recruiting I can't recall a situation where a kid is going to play for his dad in a situation where you yeah, his dad's going to lose his job probably. And this is the last time This the kid's a one and done player. He's going to the pros after that. So this is, you know, he's never going to get that chance again. His dad's going to be his head coach. He gets to stay at home. He's very, that family is very tight knit. That's a very close tight knit family. So, you know, he, he's kind of, you know, it's almost like the it's very similar to the Jalen Johnson situation where, you know, the homesickness and all that would, would have been a big deal. If he had come to Durham and, yeah, I mean, he's he's in a place where he's happy, so I'm good. For, good for him, and it's over now. Like I'm sitting here drinking this Taramana tequila, happy that it's done. Like just and good. We can move forward now because we've been wanting to get the podcast out. We've been wanting to do this. So yeah, I mean, I'm just happy that that it's done, and now we can move forward with this this extremely talented, extremely versatile roster that we have.
0: And and the offseason is officially upon us now. You know, we mm-hmm. have been wanting to put out a podcast for a while. Uh, but then you have, you know, guys leaving that we weren't expecting, and then one stays, and then we thought that Patrick Baldwin uh commitment was gonna be imminent, imminent and then we thought, okay, well maybe we might get this on guy. And there were just so many moving parts that were like, Okay, let's just let's just wait. Let's just wait and see what happens, let's see what the roster is, let's let it get settled, let Patrick make his decision and figure it out. Jack, let's bring you in on this one because you know, obviously you have the pulse of social media because you're on there all the time uh and you're, you're interacting with duke fans and haters alike. What was, you know, what was kind of the overall reaction? I know that Twitter can be a messy place sometimes, but after Patrick Baldwin makes his decision, uh, what were you seeing both on Instagram, on Twitter from Duke fans and then, you know, were I'm sure there were a lot of Duke haters out there that were mocking the fact that, you know, he picked uh Milwaukee over Duke. What were you seeing out there?
2: I mean, I saw a couple things on Instagram that were just like, oh, Baldwin's not coming. Like, a couple people commenting on my post today and a post from the other day talking about, oh, why would he pick Milwaukee? And, like, that's it. Just a couple Duke fans, like, laughing at the fact that he chose that, like, that school of all the schools because, like, there's a reason his dad's on the hot seat. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Right. Like, choosing that over Duke, that that's a heck of a decision to make, even if it's playing for your dad. So. um there were a couple of people saying that on Twitter, everyone was acting like Duke's going to be worse than they were this past year. And <laughs> going to miss out on it completely again, not even be up for NIT consideration. Uh-huh. Like, come on, come on.
1: I've been battling all day and look, shout, shout out to the account called the brotherhood. Look, I'm not disparaging anybody. I I've, was I've been battling all day. Like with that, with that thought process and, and we cleared things up on Twitter. That's how Twitter works, man. You, you you fight it out and then you can clear things up. So shout out because it it was one of those things where I was reading it like, and it wasn't just it wasn't just that account. There's other accounts doing the same thing, where it's you know we're we're gonna be we're worse off for not having what we are. He's, he's 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 let's not get it twisted. He's an extremely talented player. It's hard to project what would have happened what he would have done for this roster. But if we are just projecting and speculating, because that's all we can do in May he is an extremely talented player that would have added depth and versatility to this roster and would have really probably shored up a few things that, you know, we as Duke fans are worried about and that, you know, then and, and that's, that's an absolutely valid, valid argument and statement, but the feeling that without him, we, we don't have a shot to win a title uh, elite eights are useless. And some of the other things that I was seeing today the, yeah, you know, not from that account necessarily, but other accounts. Like, you know, that was—it's too much. That's too much. It's May. Let let the coaching staff, our our extremely talented coaching staff, let them figure this out. They have a lot of tools to work with, and we're going to talk about rosters here in just a second. Let's work with what we got.
0: Yeah. So speaking of the roster, I just want to close this you know topic out real quick. Um, you know, Jack, there's a lot of names that have been floated out there. I think AC and I both think that the roster is complete. Uh, is there any chance you see a guy like Marcus Bagley just because of the connection to Duke? Um, you know, I know he's testing his draft prospects right now. Uh, if he does decide to return, would he be somebody that you think Duke would still take? Or do you think just say, you know what, let's just go into the offseason right now with the roster we have and let's start preparing like there's no tomorrow?
2: I mean, I'm going to be completely realistic. I think Marcus Bagley is going pro. I think I think the odds of him going back to college, whether it's Arizona State or somewhere else, are incredibly low. But if that is what happens, I think, he, I mean, obviously he's going to have a little bit of interest in Duke just because of the connection with his brother and his father still like being from Durham, his brother playing at Duke. as I hope everyone who's a Duke fan knows um, <laughs> we got um, – I I think we're set, though. I don't think he will end up even wanting to come to Duke because realistically, how much playing time is he going to get when Kay does what is the tradition of cutting the the rotation to six or seven by the end of the year? Realistically, is he going to be one of those seven? Who knows if he comes to Duke, but he's not a starter with the talent that the Duke staff has um, already uh, brought in and is bringing back. I, I think it's slim to none. He's at Duke next year. Next play.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and with that being said, I think, you know, moving on, the strengths and weaknesses of this team, I think, AC, let's start with, you know, right out of the gate. Patrick Baldwin would have really given us a shot in the arm shooting-wise. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that might be one area, if you can kind of take a look at this team. You know, obviously, you can take a look at the backcourt and say – you know, it might be a little bit thin, uh, but I think just from a still perspective, uh, for me, shooting would be, you know, kind of like that number one weakness that I would look at. What do you see? Let's well, start with the weaknesses, start on a negative note, and then we'll move into the strengths of this team, uh, which I think we all know is going to be the front court. But mm-hmm. what do you see as kind of like the biggest weakness uh, for this upcoming roster?
1: So there's three of them right now off the top of my head that I just look at as. You know, if if there's if there's a glaring weakness, if there's something that's looking right at you, it would be the lack of right now the lack of point guard depth, which I'll get into that in a second. How I feel about that uh, uh, shooting, as you mentioned, and the, the kind of the lack of creativity we've seen in the offense the past few years, especially with these the even even teams with off seasons, these the one and done type of guys. It's there, there's been a lack of creativity a little bit in the offense with some of these guys, and I, I think that is a weakness only in, only in history. Like just seeing it in recent history, I, I think it can change. I think it will change. Honestly, I think Kay has not only a versatile lineup, but a, a bunch of guys who want to do the right thing. And I, I don't see pushback with this team on how the offense is run and such. So honestly, I, I, I think we'll see a better, it, the offense hasn't really been a problem the past few years. We've been in the eighties averaging points per game. We've been very effective with our field goal percentages the past five, six years. Like, all those things have been high. Like Three-point shooting has been a problem in the past few years. So then we touched on shooting. It's like, okay, we've addressed that really, honestly. But Trevor Keels is a ridiculous standstill shooter. That's a problem with most one-and-done in high school kids, that we've been seeing the past few years. Most of those guys coming out of high school aren't good at standing still taking threes. It's actually a very tough skill to learn. Usually it's a lot easier to shoot off the dribble because that's what they're used to doing. Trevor Keels is great at shooting off the standstill. AJ Griffin is great at shooting off the standstill. Palo Bancaro can shoot wherever he wants, for all I care. I don't care whatever he wants to do. <laughs> and then you throw in, I, I really do believe, and I've I've gotten some, you know, some comments about this. I really do believe that Joey Baker, by the end of the season, is going to be an asset for this team, especially with his ability to do that, to stand still and shoot three. So that's that's something that Kay wants to move towards because that's where the game is moving right now. And we haven't had a roster in the past four years that could do that. And I I think this season we have it. So I I think that's, again, these are weaknesses that we see as of right now. That's what I'm looking at. Outside of that, it's the point guard depth. Like, we got Jeremy. I think Jeremy's going to take his step. I think he and Mark had something really good working toward the end of this past season. And he's going to have nothing but toys to play with at this point moving forward so really it's like if he comes off the floor if he's in foul trouble or god forbid there's an injury you know who steps to play Who steps up to play point because number one we don't need a true point guard i want i want that term to die right now like if if the true center which is not dead by the way because we have mark williams you can see what's happening with that but if the true center was supposedly dead the past four or five years the true point guard is definitely gone bruh like teams have moved to having five guys on the floor who can score like or a, a, in various forms so I don't want to hear the setup man I'm so glad we had Bobby Hurley I am and I'm and he wasn't like he even scored when he had to that's the thing like I, I don't want the true point guard the true point guard is dead like the guy who just runs up the floor passes the ball to somebody else and then stands in the corner that's gone nobody does that anymore so if Jeremy's not on the floor, is it AJ that steps up? Is it Wendell? There's a lot of unproven commodities to step into that role. So I just, I want to see what, what that kind of evolves into.
0: Well, you just basically went on the Michael Scott. My weaknesses actually are my strengths uh, <laughs> tangent right there. And so, I mean, I'm not sure, Jack, should we just move on? Cause he just gave us the entire, <laughs> the entire rundown. Oh, uh, but you did, you did bring up one thing that I want to touch on. Um, and Jack, I want, I want you to kind of jump in on this. Point guard was, you know, certainly something that a lot of new fans are anxious about coming into this year. I think everybody on this podcast believes that Jeremy Roach is going to take that next step. Um, the other thing that I can really see happening is seeing Wendell Moore run the point for, you know, long stretches, maybe especially at the beginning of the year. That way, again, you're still kind of letting Jeremy, you know, Take the training wheels off and get more consistent. I think the one thing you want to see with Jeremy is more consistency. Uh, he's going to take that leadership role this summer. Hopefully, you're already seeing it with with uh, you know pitchers and and working out with Trevor Keels. Uh Jack, just from the point guard perspective, what do you see happening there? Do you see that being a strength at least by ACC play? Oh,
2: totally. I mean, I'm l- just looking at my notes I had ready for this. I One of the strengths I actually put was playmaking because, yeah, Roach is the only true point guard on the roster who's going to get extended play. That being said, Wendell Moore has shown himself to be a pretty fantastic secondary ball handler. Trevor Keels was, uh, is a combo guard at the end of the day. Paulo has... Paulo reminds me of Giannis. I'm just going to say that right now. Just seeing the way he plays in high school. Yeah, Hot boy, take. Call me crazy. <laughs> get but, it. Get it. Paulo reminds me of Giannis. So we got that. And then uh, AJ Griffin, even AJ Griffin, a 6'9", like, mm-hmm. win, he he has shown an ability to handle the mm-hmm. ball decently well and make good decisions with it. So even if there's, like, no true PG, if Jeremy's off the floor, I'm not worried. I think we nope. got a ton of guys that are going to be on the roster this coming year that can make good decisions with the ball and will not turn it over it's Uh just a matter of who is going to step up at any one time i mean like like all three of us at this point have said we all trust that jeremy's going to make that leap but someone else has to do it when he's off the floor like with trey a couple years ago someone had to do something when he was off the floor
0: yeah I, i think for me the only weakness on this team um yes i'm not trying to sound like one of those fans that isn't appreciative of you know the talent that is patrick baldwin i i remember specifically saying um last offseason that he was guy one wanted the most because he's such a clay thompson like shooter um and so i just kind of felt like if we're but but now i kind of felt like if we were able to get him it'd be like just a embarrassment of riches mm-hmm. and it wasn't A guy that we, it was more of a luxury recruit at that point because of who we had gotten. Mm -hmm. I think that is very underrated getting Theo John. I think that, you know, having a guy to back up uh, Mark Williams and play a role of just absolute monster down low. He's five fouls, but he's played four years in the biggies. He's a man. Uh, He can push uh, Mark Williams in in practice. He can play with every single different lineup that we have out there because he doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily need the ball. Um, and basically, AC, what I'm trying to think here is, if if we know that we can shoot the ball, and, and we've seen what uh, Ben Carroll can do, uh, you know, we know that AJ Griffin is a very underrated shooter. We know that Peels, we haven't seen it yet, on the Collusion level. Mm-hmm. Jeremy's an underrated shooter. He's going to get better this year. Randall Moore is going to get better this year. Uh, and then Joey, I think I'm with you on that. I think thinking he'll step up. I don't see a weakness on this team other than depth. That's really the kind of the only weakness that I see. What do you got?
1: Overall depth. That's you're exactly right. Overall depth is the biggest thing that was not able to be addressed. Like they addressed everything with this recruiting class, with keeping the guys they kept. Everything was addressed except for the amount of players on the roster. And we've we've had less in tougher years. And one, we've had more players and lost a lot. So the depth is objective. It's not, it's not a science. It's not, okay, you have nine capable players. You're going to win a championship. It's not that because every, every team in college basketball has nine capable players who can play college basketball. And some don't even, you know, 300 some odd of those teams don't make the tournament. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's not, it's not an objective fact. It's, it's conditional. It's circumstantial. So if, if we don't get bitten by the injury bug, if we don't have any kind of major occurrences happening to this team, if, if what we see today is the roster that we have from November all the way into April, then I am – it's aces. I'm good with what we got. We have enough. We have more than enough. And if K doesn't win it with that, it is it, – it's not even – it's not a failure on K. It's just it speaks to what college basketball is. You have one shot each night in the NCAA tournament to move forward, and if the ball bounces your way, you move on. If it doesn't bounce your way, you don't. Like, it's, that's just how it goes. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, this team is talented. It's ridiculously good. And we have a lot of great pieces on the squad.
0: Yeah, anybody thinking that this team isn't going to be extremely talented and just versatile is just kidding themselves. Yeah, Baldwin would have been awesome, but that's not going to do it. And we're going to get our first litmus test on November 26th, Thanksgiving Day weekend, in the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Count your chips, stack them up. Because if Ben Carroll... If he is Giannis, then Jack, who's Chet Holmgren, who design is going to throw at him? I've been
2: trying to figure out who Chet <laughs> Holmgren reminds me of for years. I'm
0: not going to lie. That kid, he's just
2: he's he's big. He's skinny. He's built kind of like a skinnier Walker Kessler. <laughs> like they got the That's same build. <laughs> they really like. He's a center. There's no. There's mm-hmm. no denying that. It's just a matter of who does he play like does he play right. like anyone is he a new unique kind of guy i don't know all i know is chet and drew timmy um who as far as i'm aware is coming i might have missed that
1: um yeah, yeah he's coming back and then
2: paulo and mark that front court matchup Whew.
1: that's ridiculous it's ridiculous. Yeah, oh
2: that is huh.
1: like number one like show. Getting getting Mark to come back or whatever, and you know, how, and who who knows how close it was to him leaving or whatever. But getting him to come back is just as big, if not bigger, than getting Pat Baldwin, in my opinion. Like what Mark does is he solidifies the defense, he solidifies rebounding force, he gives us another option in terms of offense down low, and he allows everything else to spread around in a way that we haven't had in you know in a couple of years or whatever. So it, it's it's him coming back is enormous.
0: Yeah. So what I what I see real quick is you know I look at this matchup and I. Kind of liken it to uh, Alabama LSU a couple of years ago when they had something absurd like 18 first round NFL mm-hmm. picks going against each other. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at just Duke uh, starting five versus uh, Gonzaga, you have at minimum six starters on both teams that are going to be first round picks. You, you name the three for Duke uh, in, in Mark, Paolo, and AJ. Uh, and then you got Shett, um to and or well, Hunter Salas, right? They're all, all all three of those guys going to be first on picks. Mm-hmm. We don't even we're not even talking about Peels yet. We're not talking about Wendell Moore and all the other guys that Gonzaga has. This is going to be a heavyweight fight where all heavyweight fights happen in Las Vegas. So, Jack, mm-hmm. question is, are you coming with us out to Vegas?
2: <laughs> I wish I could. I, if it wasn't if it wasn't Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, that, I, that, I that, wish that, I could go. That, to that. That's to be such a weak excuse. You don't have a family and kids, you know. Like AC, he's 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 you know he's going to get him, you know, some Boston Market, oh, put it down and then, you know, don't do, do that it to me.
1: Go. Don't you do that to me in public? <laughs> don't well,
0: you dance? I mean, set
2: me up. Boston, Boston, Boston Market Mark is so good, though. Don't, don't don't sleep on it. Don't don't talk it down. It's so good. Oh man,
1: but yeah, man. No, it's 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 a big time. It's a big time matchup in November. Like that is just. Just no denial about it. And whoever whoever wins, like, it's not an, like, whoever, I guess i should say it this way, whoever loses, it's not an indictment on their season. Like, you just, you ran up against a another team that is extremely talented, probably equally as talented as you are. And that's kind of how it works, man. Like, and, and, you know, kudos to Gonzaga, you know, getting a game with Duke like that, because people, you know, for years have talked about how they don't play anyone or whatever, because they play the WCC. So, you know, good for them. You brought up Chet. And you, like, like, I'm with you. Like, I don't know who to compare him to. He's such a unique player. I, I love, I actually like the kid a lot. I like his game. I think he's, he's extremely unique the way he blocks shots and everything. And then the way he's able to score, his handle, all the stuff that he brings to the game. He's skinny as hell, but I mean, he, he knows how, that's the thing. He knows how to work with it. Like, so I, I don't see that being that much of a hindrance for him. And he's going to be a problem down low on defense for us getting shots down low. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, so Jack exactly. can
0: hold them. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I think, like, you know, one of the things is, you know, I think both the strengths of both teams are obviously uh, in the front court. You know, we talked about that a million times. Um, what do you see for our backcourt? court? Be, like, do you see Wendell Moore kind of starting off on Solace? Um, do you see Jeremy kind of rising to the occasion against an, a guy that, for all intents and purposes, is probably going to be, you know, AC with a lottery pick or a top 20 pick? Uh, and a point guard, and as a freshman, mm-hmm. um, you know, do you see what do you see happening in the backcourt? Because I mean, I think all of the attention is obviously still uh, going to be in the backcourt. So, Jack, what do you see happening with the um, with the backcourt?
2: I mean, one of the names I, I have in my notes that you have not brought up yet is Andrew Nembhard. He is yep. talented. He's someone. solid is going to cook roach and keels and more hopefully i know i know that keels is gonna do something keels is gonna Mm -hmm. show up he's he's built physically i think he's he's gonna do something just with the way he's built he's able to overpower guys but nembard's gonna make it a show don't sleep don't sleep on the backcourt matchups because you got solace you got an i don't even know if they got another another two guard they could throw at uh throw at wendell and trevor keels but I know, I know. It's going to be a heck of a show. The entire game, you got, you got a five stars on five stars going at it. I'm, I'm really looking forward. Obviously, the, the big, the big show is going to be the guys down low, the front court. But I, I'm more excited about the back court just because these are a lot of really talented guys. Yeah, and they've and, shown it
1: repeatedly. And you know, Nimhart is not. He's not Jalen Suggs, but – or just, excuse me, not Nemar, I apologize. Hunter Salas. Hunter Salas is not Jalen Suggs, but he's really talented. I think I, – I actually like us early on to get that game earlier, even though we are a younger team, because I think it's going to take Hunter – I think it's going to take him a couple months to get accustomed to college because he is kind of slight and and getting used to being a point guard in college. He's He's an extremely talented player. I wanted him for Duke. Before he blew up and then he got too big for to be a depth piece, which is what we would have used him as. But I I really think he's a good player. I, I don't know if it's going to be a Caleb Love situation where he, you know, he was recruited hard by Duke for a minute and he's going to come out smoking against Duke. I don't know, but I really do think it's going to take him a minute to get used to college and we got big bodies to throw at him. So Nembhard is the wild card for them in the backcourt. They also got that guy, Anton Watson, who's like uh, he's like what, like six, seven. He's a he's a big like a big wing player. so that's going to be an interesting matchup. Again, man, like you said, the front, I think the front courts are the stalemate. I think the backcourt is where this game is won.
0: And you had to burn up Caleb Wolfe. I mean, I thought we were going to get through this entire thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, bringing that, every, I'm bringing that I'm that fool
1: season. up every chance I get. Cause I cannot wait to watch him get roasted, especially Jeremy's coming after him. I'm telling you right now, Jeremy he did not, that he man. did not like what he said on Twitter and everything else. Like those two, Let's like, you know, there's always they always talk about the Duke UNC rivalry and like the guys like Johnson. I, I can promise you this right now. Caleb Love and Jeremy Roach do not get along. They don't. So, there's, <laughs> no, there's no love lost no. there. Um,
0: no. But, you know, what, there are there are always, um, you know, throughout Duke history, there are always big matchups in November that, you know, uh, we're known, obviously, for our championships and, and what happens in March. But we always have these big games in November. So we thought it would be fun to talk about our favorite uh, November matchups that we remember growing up with, um, and to show our age, um, you know, <laughs> AC and I picked, uh, two games where I don't even think Jack was alive for, uh, I was alive so, for one of them, thank you. <laughs> remember, okay, there we go. Um, but, uh, so, so AC, um, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll let you have the floor first, um, you know, what was your favorite or kind of like your most memorable, uh, November Duke basketball game?
1: Pretty similar time of year, right around Thanksgiving preseason. In it, Duke versus Temple, two thousand, uh, November twenty fourth, sixty three to sixty one. That was that was a that was a big time game. Uh, Temple was they were unranked at the time, but you know the talent they had. They had Lynn Greer, they had uh, Kevin Lyde, guys like that who you know didn't go on to pro fame or anything, but in college those dudes could go. And that was a Duke team that was. You know, coming off of a little bit of a disappointment from the year before and, you know, the the you know, the Carewell game leaving the floor against Florida and everything. And there was a lot to prove in that game. And it was that's the famous diving, scrapping, clawing the the scrum on the floor for the loose ball. Duke was down seven in that game with like three minutes left. And they just they just kept going and kept plugging away. Boozer had like 26 points that game. He was an MVP of the freezes in uh, NIT it was just that was just that was one of those hard fought games. It was fun to watch. It was that old school, hard basketball. And it was a sign of that team in particular winning tough games, which they hadn't had to do in a long time because they were beating the hell out of everybody. And they kind of proved, I think, to themselves and to the fans and to opposing fans that, hey, look, like it's it's going to take your best and your best is still not going to be enough to beat us. And that was such a cool game to watch.
0: Yeah. You know, I actually remember watching that game, um, you know, just John Chaney's was just fought so hard um, and we never backed down. And I thought that coming into that year, you know, Duke, you know, Duke was coming off, you know, the 99 season where that was, that was the disappointment. And then the next year you have, you know, kind of well winning the ACC, you know, MVP uh, player of the year. And I almost felt like they kind of overachieved for, for, mm-hmm. the, for the amount that they lost with Brandon and, uh landing and Avery and McGetty um you know Burgess leaving you know all these things and I thought that almost that next year um they kind of overachieved and it kind of culminated in 2000 2001 where that team you know Jason Williams had a year under his belt because you know he was a freshman as great as he was uh he had a lot of ups and downs yep. and he turned himself into people forget that like Battier yeah he was the player of the year but the only ones that he didn't win, Jason Williams won. Right. like He just turned into that player, and then, you know, it was kind of Boozer's coming out party, mm-hmm. um, and we would see Mike movies coming out party later on, but um, I, lo- I loved that team. Mm-hmm. I loved that team, and that was kind of, to me, like them saying, hey, look, we're not going to be pushed around this year, and it's going to start with with our scrappiness, yep. and no, but no better team to do against than a, than a John Chaney team, um, who's like really, really tough, and so, they were really tough. And what a better way to juxtapose that with the John Calipari Perry team. Uh, so, Jack, I don't want to steal your thunder, but what is your favorite November memory?
2: My freshman year of college. <laughs> it's the uh, first game of the season. It's Election Day, November 6, 2018. Duke 118, Kentucky 84. Oh my God. Oh, oh my man, God. I was uh, oh. my my good friend, my good friend I was watching with, he's a Kentucky fan. He's not big into sports, but he he's big into Kentucky because uh he was raised on that. Oh I did not shut up. I was in his <laughs> ear the whole game. Yes, sir. Uh, all I can say uh, there are there so many highlights. That game was probably the most fun I've had watching a Duke game mm-hmm. since the Championship, well, not uh, outside of seeing them live. Um, mm-hmm. But since the 2015 championship, honestly, probably the most fun I've had watching a game. <laughs> yeah.
1: And
2: that, nope. that was just obviously, you <laughs> know.
1: I think I, my and favorite and thing I, about I, that game, I think you favorite about and that game. They were. Yeah. That, that that's what sure. well, I was want to I'm
0: going to make sure we set the table for that because I think favored. And, yeah. you know, I didn't know what, exactly what to expect, but when you saw them step on the court, it was Let's, just like this. Fifteen means business.
1: I remember on the podcast, one Jimmy, I believe, was saying that Kentucky was
0: going to win that game. Am I right? I don't know. we'd have to go back to the tapes, how This is about. Well, this is about me. Um, and I believe if we're if we're if we're, if we're playing this game, I'm pretty sure you're stealing me a state dinner from the thing. But Jack, do, this is about us. This is about that game, and yeah, you know. It was... I don't think anybody saw first of all, I don't think anybody saw one eighteen eighty four. 84 coming. No, 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 no. Oh, no. No chance.
2: You tell me Kentucky scoring 84 against Duke in the first game of the season. I'd tell you Duke lost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, I went into yeah, that totally. game like feeling very unsure. Duke, at first I was confused as to what was 4 and not 1, but Duke was 4, Kentucky was 2, Kentucky was favored. I had seen a lot of these Kentucky players, like highlights and stuff. I was really worried about the experience that travis was going to bring to the table for kentucky as a grad transfer yeah especially given that Marquise was going to be the center for duke and he's still unproven at the time he had been benched during the canada tour like we had seen the duke team without reddish and trey jones but like we had seen the majority of the duke team play in canada so like at least Personally, like I knew a little bit of what to expect. What I didn't expect was Zion like swishing a three to <laughs> open the scoring. Duke being up twenty to nine yeah. at the first TV timeout, and then just a like outscoring Kentucky. The same like both teams scoring the same exact amount each half. Duke being up, what was it, fifty nine forty
1: two?
2: Yeah, fifty nine forty two at the end of each half. Yeah.
1: And then just, and just, just, it's, it's incredible, man. Like that game itself was incredible. Like you said nobody expected that blowout for Duke. Even if they did pick Duke to win, I picked Duke to win. I didn't expect it to blow him out. I Ooh. thought people saying Kentucky's versus or their, them being, you know, their veteran roster was overblown because half the guys hadn't had either never played a, a single important minute or had never played at Kentucky. And then you had Reed Travis. who you know, it, it is what it was like, you know, I, I felt like, Whatever, like he was going to get his, but that was going to be stalemated by whatever we could offer. So, and I was, what a good game that was! Oh my
0: god! And just watching, watching Zion make the block. Dribble down the court and make that one handed, I mean, that one handed bank <laughs> pass. Not the block, he took that man's soul. Yeah, he, he, took his, it, he took his right. soul. I mean, it was the whole thing encapsulated Zion is like welcome to the world moment. And he had already had plenty of those, yeah. Uh, you know, before he even you know, had his first official college game, but that was kind of it. He said, like, I'm going to rip soul. your soul away <laughs> from you. I'm going to act like a point guy driving down the, the entire court and make a one handed. Bounce pass Mm -hmm. to I think it was R.J. right and R.J. and one for and for an n one and that was just I think they cut over to Calipari after that play and you could just like we're fucked we're completely done (laughs) we we, we don't have that we don't have that
2: there's a picture somewhere on my on my Instagram page of Calipari just staring into the camera (laughs) looking dead inside. (laughs)
1: Oh, it's beautiful! It's beautiful. Uh,
2: we're it's running that back this year too. The uh, the champs classics yeah. rolling back to Kentucky this November. That's
1: right. That's yeah, right. we we get and, them. And, and before and How are you still there? All it. Set? It,
0: it's it's going to be a very similar situation. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I don't I don't know if we're going because they just got a lot of transfers, right? And so yeah. they'll have that they quote, quote unquote experience, way. but you know, we're going to have the talent advantage. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we'll we we'll, we'll come for that game, but that was that was. I mean, honestly, that was for a lot of Duke fans, especially a lot of the younger ones. Um, like that one eighteen eighty four game was one of the most. I do remember watching that on my couch, Tasman AC, being like, I just cannot believe what I'm watching. Like this honor, yeah, yeah. <laughs> filthy domination, and that's when all the. 40 and 0 stuff happened uh-huh, like could you uh-huh. be the, the Cavs team. yeah, could <laughs> yeah, be, yeah dude the Cavs, like, uh, on, Pierce oh, on ESPN mad. Ugh. Uh, man, and the worst they, on the they Cavs, just kind of, kind of it. took it to that other extreme where you didn't yep. want to be especially as a coach yep. um and it took them a little bit of while to get back from that but um yeah that 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 one night you know it's like that one night uh <laughs> you know just that was a lot of fun um so my, my, my pick was another uh November twenty-sixth game. Uh this one was in Maui, uh nineteen ninety seven before Invitational. uh yeah, Maui Invitational going against uh, defending national champion, uh number one Arizona. Duke Sorry. was number four. Uh this was the Herald of class. You know, we had you know Elton Brand, Shane Battier, William Avery, uh your main man Chris Burgess. Uh, one it was it was, it was kind of like <laughs> it was kind of like uh Duke turn to Gloria class, uh, where you know Duke had had a few tough years there, one of which was Coach K being out. Um Trajan Landon was a, uh, a junior, Wojciechowski was a uh senior, kind of like mm-hmm. that that heart and soul type of guy. Rashawn McLeod was there. We had Carowell, we had uh, Mike Chappelle who actually started that game. But then on the other side you had Mike Biddy, Miles Simon. Jason Terry was coming off the bench, Michael Dickerson. That team was stacked.
1: You know who else uh, they had? They had one, Josh Passner,
0: uh, head coach <laughs> of the Georgia Tech Jack, yeah, Yellow Jackets. Yeah, like, um, I, don't, I don't remember him getting many minutes. it's kind of it's kind of the thing that um you know that game, if I remember correctly, like Duke kind of like was starting to just blow him out. Yep. Uh and we were up at least 20 at one point in, in you yep. know, kind of late in the second half. I remember it was they were testing out four quarters. So it was four 10 minute quarters mm-hmm. for, for the Valley Invitational. Yep. Uh the place is obviously rocking in that small little gym. Wonjo was the name the MVP, had a great game. Um but we were up, it was kind of foreshadowing, unfortunately, because we were up at least 20 really late. And we were blowing the lead, turnovers, Arizona mm-hmm. started pressing. Uh and it got a little dicey at the end. We were luckily able to pull it out. But uh it was it was a, it was kind of like Duke's welcome back moment at the end of that game. I remember uh Duke fans Shannon, were number one, were number one because <laughs> they had just knocked off Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um but AC, I mean you were you were around for this one. Um do you remember that game? Do you remember kind of like being I remember just, even though I was 15 years old, I just went out and feeling like, John, this is more like Duke basketball. I, I feel energized going back. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're back here.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I vividly remember that game because, you know, like, this is where we get to be honest here on this podcast, right? I was a little bit of an Arizona fan at that point. Yeah, you know, just, you know, being a kid, you're, you're a kid, you, you switch allegiances all the time. Of course, Duke was my team. So it was a fun game to watch, like, two teams I really liked because I really liked that Arizona team, man. I love Mike Bibby, dude. Like, that dude was a baller. And talk about pro talent on the floor, man. That that was it was incredible to watch. And like you said, when they when they were making that comeback, it was like I remember the switch happening. It was like I was I was no longer like an Arizona fan at all. Like it was like it was done. Like when that when they were starting to make the comeback after the big lead, I was like, I'm I'm all duke all the time. Didn't matter. That's where the switch happened for me in my life. I can remember that vividly. And one of the cool things about that game was there's two guys on Arizona's roster, Eugene Edgerson and Justin Wessel, who actually ended up playing in the, the championship game against the 0-1 squad. So, yeah. so he had that cut a little bit of a back and forth there with Batty Ederson, Edgerson and Justin Wessel. So that was kind of cool too.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I and mean, then obviously you have Lute Olsen, uh and Coach K both in their primes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the star power that was that – Prime was, Lute, man. Was... Prime
1: Lute is underrated. Prime yeah, yeah underrated.
0: no, I don't I, I like that Arizona team, but mostly because of who they knocked off the year before. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, knocking off Kentucky, beating three number one seeds, um, you know, so that was actually a lot of fun. That was a great game, and and Elton Brand was a beast during that entire tournament. Uh, Avery had uh, over twenty points in that game, if I remember correctly. Like mm-hmm. he kind of came out uh, uh to the to the nation, you know, as a point guard there. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, I remember watching that game back, um, you know, a couple months ago, just you know kind of flicking through old games and um you know just seeing the dark the dark hair of coach k uh, mm-hmm. you know and and how young he looked and and that's kind of where I want to end this podcast. Um let's play I want each of us to to be honest about where we think Coach K is uh in his career. Um you know especially with you know all the changes in college basketball, uh the transfer portal, the uh NIL happening um You know, just the amount of, I mean, it was over 1,500, 1,600 players that transferred. And I understand that there was a COVID rule exception, uh, but the NCAAs already come out and said that every player can now transfer at least one time, uh, or, you know, at max one time. But I I think that that rule is going to change, you know, to allow them to transfer as many times as they want without sitting out. Uh, But there's just so many changes going on with college basketball. Um, They're eventually going to be able to get paid one way or another. Um my personal opinion is I think that this is it for him. I think this is the last ride for Coach K. Um I you know, originally I would have thought that you know he would have stayed it out till, you know, his grandson uh you know finished his four years. Uh I just think that, you know, there's too many changes. I think Roy Williams leaving um kind of allowed him to say you know what I, I don't have to keep doing this. I, I can I can grow uh bow out gracefully. Um so that's my personal opinion. Jack, I want you kind of speak on this. Where do you see Coach K right now? Do you see this um as potentially being his last year? Do you think he's re-energized um you know with kind of you know another step class coming in?
2: I think that just having this uh having this class if 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 Duke wins a championship, I think he might consider retiring at the end of this year. But I, I personally think he's got a minimum of two years left in the tank. Like you said, with Michael Savarino on the roster, I think he's going to stay for his grandson for all four years of that uh, of that experience just to let his grandson have that opportunity. But, like, who really knows? I Obviously, we're, we're in the last five years. Of, if he's still coaching in five years, I'm going to be absolutely <laughs> flabbergasted. I'll just um, put that out there because he'll be – Push an eighty at
1: that point. <laughs> the Tom Brady of I, I think
2: oh, Gosh, <laughs> I mean, he already is. Let's be real. But I, I think, I think he's. If Duke wins a championship, I think it's a completely different conversation. Like at the end of the year, he might consider it just go out on top. That being said, regardless of if Duke wins a championship or not, I think K has one more year in the tank minimum after this year.
1: It, it, it'll I be also, interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Like. I'm I'm all about reading tea leaves and context clues. Obviously, with the Pat Baldwin recruitment, I see us right now, and we are not attached to anyone in 2022. And we can talk COVID and everything all we want, but Duke has been able to contact people. And you know, you're not getting COVID through the phone. We're not. You know, we're not. <laughs> oh, we're not talking. Know,
0: no, it, it, <laughs> if they flip flop left and right, I, so. I don't know.
1: But we're not. We're not talking to anybody right now. So I don't know if recruits have an inkling that this might be it for K or close to the end for K or whatever, or if it's up in the air even, and they don't want to make the risk of coming and then he leaves or whatever. I, you know, a lot of people are saying that they think K would, you know, at the beginning of the year and I've even said it before, but I think I'm kind of out on thinking this at the beginning of the year, say this is it for me. But honestly, I think him saying at the beginning of a season that it's going to be it for him. I think that puts a lot of pressure on that team in particular and a lot of unfair pressure. And I don't know that Kay would do that to them. I think he would absolutely let the staff know and let, you know, the athletic director and everyone else know his intentions, but I don't think that they would be made public, but I'm, I'm on, I'm closer to the side of UTK of thinking that this could be it for him, regardless of a championship. It's a young man's game now. And he's, he's got a young staff, a young energetic staff, Nolan and John Shire are going to be incredible recruiters together down the road. And that's what you need right now. You need recruiters who can get out and go and just get in these guys' faces and talk to them and everything. But it, it's it's so it's not it's not the game that it used to be for him to be able to travel and such like he would want to. But it's it's a younger man's game with the transfer portal and everything else, and he knows it, and the world knows it. Obviously, like it's you know it's it's just it, it is it is what it is now. There's a lot of young young upcoming coaches who are really taking NCAA basketball right now by storm and they're, they're, you know, they're challenging him they are, they're coming after his head and in press conferences and everything else. So <laughs> I, th- I think he's, what does he have to prove at this point? He's like, he has nothing to prove if he does stay like, like you said, Jack, it's for, it's, it's legit for Michael. Like we talked about Pat and playing for his dad, how unique of an experience to play for your grandfather. You know what I mean? Like to have a grandson, grandfather combination. That's incredible. So it's, it's again a very unique situation so he he might see the gravity of that and might have enough in the tank to stick it out but i I really i kind of lean towards this this might be it
0: yeah and we'll see uh but we're gonna treat it uh as you know this could be the last ride and so kind of go for broke uh this season to me whether it is last season or not is probably duke's best chance to win another championship for coach k so let's go ahead and go out on top let's see give him give him that opportunity to go out on top let's go duke let's
1: go duke let's go duke my man hey guys thanks for checking out the five point play podcast like comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and also check us out on twitter and instagram
0: five point play podcast let's go duke